Welcome to the Candid Comms Podcast. If you're looking for practical and inspirational ideas to help you thrive in internal communication, you're in the right place. I'm your host, international communication consultant, trainer and mentor, Rachel Miller. Through this podcast, I'll share my experience with you so you can increase your skills, knowledge and confidence on all things internal communication related. Hello and welcome to the show. On this week's episode, I have a special treat for you. I've invited a guest to come and have a candid conversation with me about the reality of being a comms director. And not just a comms director, a global internal communications director. So I'm delighted to introduce Frank and I'm going to hand over to him so you can say hello and share with us what you do, where you work. Uh, hi, Rachel. Um, it's a pleasure to join you on this podcast. My name's Frank Dias. I'm the Global Internal Comms Director at AXA Excel, and I work in insurance industry. Brilliant. Thank you. And I think we first met a good few years back when you were working at Grant Thornton, I think. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. I've seen you within the industry of internal comms for a long time, and it was just really a matter of time before I signed up to one of your uh, useful coaching sessions. <laughs> and I think that's what spurred me on just to try and connect and build my network and learn yes. from other wiser heads. Oh, bless you. It's so important, isn't it? Building your network when you work in internal communication is so important. So through this episode today, we are going to have a candid conversation about being a comms director, because I think often there's an aspiration for internal communicators to work their way up. So I'd love to find out from you, what is it really like to work as a communications director, Frank? Um, It's a funny question because you're not really asked this uh, very much. What's it like (laughs) to be a comms director? So for me, what is really like, um, I think I would compare it to being a music conductor of an orchestra. You have the responsibility for a team of experts of differing experiences who each play to their own tune, uh, which you want, uh, with some structure to help them shine and be noticed. Um, It's a privilege as well to lead and influence the sound of communications, if I were to put it that way, and to also help the voice of the business, uh, its leaders, its employees, be amplified by ensuring that it's all connected to the strategy, which I like to call the music sheet. And the basis behind all of this is, as a comms director, you need to be able to inspire to coach both leaders and your team, have a vision, be a trusted voice, be curious, not afraid to ask questions, particularly ones that get others thinking um, and also could be challenging, and also being decisive, um, particularly to have a point of view and opinion based on your experience and best practice. Um, And to top all of that, uh, you're a leader in charge of developing, shaping and owning the internal comms strategy uh, with input from your team, putting in place planning and measures uh, for impact on all of those things. Um, So I think those are the differentiators for me and and I enjoy it. Love it. I love that music analogy. That's so true, isn't it? I think often if you're the leader of the team, it's about drawing out the best from your people while also setting the strategy. I love that you called it the music sheet. I think that's really that's really great to helping people make sure that we're all in tune, I, I imagine, to continue. Hopefully. <laughs> continue knowing the analogy. I like the fact you said about being decisive as well. I think 
people do look to their comms directors to be decisive and and make difficult decisions as well, which may not be what our leaders are expecting and may not be what our, our team are expecting. So I'm curious about what attracted you to a role in comms and and your career path in particular. So what has led you to get to this point and this role? As I'm sure you've heard many times from many others, um, I think many of us don't set out on a career path to say, I can't wait to work in internal comms. Um, the pity though, right? <laughs> it is a pity. It's probably changing nowadays. I think that's the good thing that we've seen in our, our mm-hmm. time within the industry that is changing into that. C- certainly. I think the Institute of Internal Communication are doing a campaign at the moment, which is hashtag I chose IC to stop the, well, I just fell into it conversation, which is what you and I, I think, <laughs> have probably described in the past in terms of our our route into internal comms. Yeah, and I think just in terms of the media and, and the whole place around celebrity uh, we're probably seeing a lot of sort of PR uh, mm. and also communications get a lot of uh, headlines and press whether it's for good things or bad things at least it's getting a bit more coverage where people think who are the people behind those jobs mm-hmm. in terms of my career I think when I was uh, younger I wanted to be a pilot did you it was never around being in comms was that an air- airline pilot in the big big jumbo jets what, what yeah I think so I think so nice. I think it was just really the the idea of traveling which we can't do mm-hmm. nowadays at the moment but yeah just just that ability to travel and see the world always appealed to me nice. but in terms of simplicity uh, particularly related to attraction of um, comms role um for me, I think it's a superpower of connecting people and doing a role where being Alice in Wonderland, so to speak, is a necessary part of the job, um, as in the need to be curious uh, and particularly considering different viewpoints while trying to avoid the odd rabbit hole. Um, my, my <laughs> of which first... there are many, right? <laughs> <laughs> there are many rabbit holes. But yeah, my first job was at Tesco uh, and that was a major influence on me used to work on the shop floor, engaging with the customers, interacting with a diverse group of colleagues, particularly now when I think about working then, it wasn't really a diverse uh, group of colleagues, which was uh, really wonderful. Having good banter at the checkouts and and also while stacking shelves. But in particular, it was all about working with management as well uh, and getting a glimpse of unions and staff representatives. And it was that connection around hearing frontline staff have a moan about management, which got me thinking, how can I bridge that gap between the good, honest, trusted and authentic relationships between managers and employees? And then Eureka, uh, human resources uh, came to me as a career choice. Um, and that was the answer for me. So I went to university and studied my HR degree. Uh, and then I started to climb the first rung of my career ladder within actually HR, uh, within the housing association in, in West Ham in London. And then from there, I moved to the charity sector. So still not not for profit uh, with Cancer Research UK. And it was there that I was sort of asked to help set up a new team um, after working about a couple of years within HR because of new UK legislation uh, at the time, uh, which was focused on Information and Consultation of Employees Act, which strangely enough, I don't actually hear about much at all. No, that's not, I guess it's of its time, right? I guess at the moment, maybe there was a reactive measure put in place to try and deal with that. But no, I I haven't heard of that, certainly recently. So it was very very much a, a clear pathway in terms of we need to do something and you were asked to create the team or the yeah create, create the setup so I worked with nice. another manager 
And because we were quite well connected, we helped set up our, our sort of uh, staff consultation and staff representation team, um, which reported strangely directly to the CEO and the exec team of senior leaders, which was again phenomenal now when I look back from an internal comms engagement point of view. It was quite groundbreaking because we had a CEO at the time who really understood what they wanted to do, which was to do more than just the basics of the legislation. Um, so we ran open staff elections with staff voting and was able to get a really great cross-section of employees from different parts of the charity. So retail, warehouse, in office. Um, so we truly had a really representative voice. So I helped train them and coach them in, in gathering uh, the voice of their constituencies uh, and bringing that voice to the table to the CEO and the senior leaders who all dedicated time to listen, debate and preview privileged information uh, to this group of representatives. So building up that trust. So it was, it was really a true way of, of consulting. Um, so that whetted my appetite really for more within sort of communicating internally. So I, I was lucky enough to then move into an internal comms role within Cancer Research UK focused on digital. And that, that allowed me to cut my teeth in national in, internal comms. And then from there, I wanted to get move on into global internal comms. So that's when I joined Grant Thornton uh, at Financial Services. What made you decide to move from national to global? What, what, what was that driver for you? The driver for me was just really the fascination of how do you deal with people around the world with internal comms? Like mm-hmm. if everyone's in the same time zone, it seems fairly straightforward, but how do you then multiply that by different languages, different cultures? Mm-hmm. How do you align people to the direction of travel that you're going in? Never a dull moment, is there in internal comms? Never, never a dull moment. <laughs> I think that's what sort of drew my interest in. And also, I've been at Cancer Research UK for seven years, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's a long time. And so I just really want, it was the right time to sort of move on and, and get some more experience, really, mostly. Yeah. And um, yeah, Grant Thornton, seven years, and then moved to Lloyds of London uh, within the insurance sector for t- nearly two years. And then I'm currently at AXA Excel, uh, and I've just done my year, year and a bit there. Uh, so still in the world of insurance. But I've had the amazing opportunities, really, on, on pieces of work, um, which I'm sure will resonate with many communicators mm-hmm. listening in, from office moves to introducing new CEOs and leadership teams, launching new channels such as Yammer to ideation tools for hosting crowdsourcing with global jams, um, shaping narratives that stick, connecting people to new operating models. Um, But I think for me, the next level of attraction really is around the use of behavioral science and and nudging um, Mm -hmm. and related to internal comms and engagement. and, And how do you help build together with leaders a bit more of a truer connection with employees about what business's culture and purpose means in a pandemic and and hopefully soon to be post-pandemic world. Oh, fingers crossed. (laughs) I love that. I I remember reading the Inside the Nudge Unit book a couple of years back. I'll I'll put it in the show notes at allthingsoc.com forward slash podcast, all about behavioral change and how do you get people to act and react. So in our world, how do you encourage employees to act and react in certain ways, which is I mean, that's a whole podcast episode uh, in itself. (laughs) It's such a fascinating topic. I love the fact that that's the next step. I love the fact that that's something that you're thinking about and and curious about. So, Frank, how do you know, and this is a bit bit of a big question, but I'm curious to know, how do you know when you're ready to step into a more senior role? Yeah, there's definitely an an urge then. Um, and, And for me, it was 
really about reading what others outside were doing, uh, which inspired me the most. So to borrow a phrase from you, Rachel, uh, and to flip it, understanding what was working outside uh, to bring inside. So that urge really was really what triggered me to think uh, I want to try and push myself, stretch myself a bit further because I felt inspired by others. So for me, that was just really around how can I mature my comms conversations with managers and leaders and influencers about the power of effective internal comms engagement through conversation and partnership. And it was just really that wanting to stretch myself beyond my sort of business as usual to tackle bigger impact projects that could have greater influence. And of course, being able to move into more communication strategy development and that connection to business priorities and goals. I think that that was really it, what urged me. So that desire to to do more. I understand that. I think I, if I look at my in-house career, I spent 10 years in-house and I really mm-hmm. like it when things are a bit broken and then I can go in. This is what makes me a good consultant. I like going in and fixing things. Yeah. So Frank, what can you do to earn credibility as a communications director? What does that look like? Credibility is based on, uh, for me anyway, three things. Like I've mentioned already, it's about being curious uh, and asking uh, questions that matter. Um, And in our case, it's really around making the link in terms of what the business is trying to achieve and how effective communications and engagement can help make that happen. And then the second piece for me is around being able to have that vision as a communications leader, uh, and in particular, the ideas which are grounded uh, in terms of the business challenges, as well as bringing in the best practice from outside together with data and insight into the conversation to help join the dots, and then so that you can then build the case for that investment and then the trust. And then the third point for me is really around having opinions and well-read views, really, so that you can give uh, your voice in terms of speaking up um, by not being afraid to challenge with respect. Always with respect. Always with respect. <laughs> yeah. Coming from that place of knowledge really is, is really uh, critical. So you need to also um, contend with and, and acknowledge uh, as well as self-reflect on self-doubt. And I've definitely had it in my, my career to date where you also have that feeling of not being the right fit or maybe being an imposter even and and any of those confidence gremlins that creep into your mind. So really believe in yourself, particularly if you want to sort of earn that credibility. Um, because at the end of the day, we're not dealing with life and death. We're not directly saving lives. We're communicators who want to be seen and heard as trusted advisors who can make suggestions to hopefully influence decisions based on our relationships, networks that we nurture and shape um, to get into those perfect positions of trust so that need to be well read plugged into what's going on around the world that's really vital uh, in terms of um, getting gaining that credibility I love that so I'm going to summarize the three things about being curious and I loved your Alice in Wonderland analogy earlier and curiosity is one of the behaviors that the Institute of Internal Communication pull out in their profession map which I'm a big fan of and talk about and blog about a lot. So being curious, having a vision. And I like the fact you said with ideas that are grounded in the business challenges. I think that's so important because to earn your stripes and have credibility, we need to be talking the language of the business. So having a vision that's rooted in terms of what the business requires from us. Love that. And then your third point is having opinions, but also being well-read. So 
I guess it's being able to talk the talk and walk the walk, right? Having no integrity gap between what we say and what we do and having awareness of how internal comms work. So then when we show up, I think all of that investment in our own professional development, that's the reason why we go to conferences, right? And do courses and listen to podcasts to try and have a better understanding and a deeper understanding about what we do. I, I love that. I think that's a really... There's some really, really key points in there for me. And sometimes we do deal with life and death. You know, sometimes we are communicating, you know, the, the death of employees. I've yeah, recently about point. How, how, you know, that role that we have and that empathetic comms that we create is so important. Yeah, particularly with mental health, Rachel, at the moment mm. in pandemics. And so many communicators have been doing a fantastic job working with their HR colleagues in terms of, how do you build that empathy and 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 that connection that you you care so mm-hmm. that's definitely come out a lot in in some of the comms I've been reading uh, throughout the year in terms of well-being mental health and mm-hmm. people's um other responsibilities in life which go beyond just work yeah absolutely I'm going to reclaim and flip back my what happens inside is reflected outside because that for me is about the mental health and well-being of our, I love the fact that you took it and flipped it and you're very welcome to do that. <laughs> but for me, you know, that, that what happens inside is reflected outside is about mental health and well-being and not only for us as professional communicators in very visible roles, but also the well-being for our employees is super important. Yeah. We're going to take a short break. And when we come back, I'm going to be asking Frank, about measurement. See you in a moment. Comms friends, I hope you're enjoying this conversation today between Frank and I. If you are the most senior internal communicator inside your organisation, why not check out the all things I see in a circle? This is my membership that's been designed to support senior internal communicators. Perhaps you're working as a comms director or maybe a head of internal communication, then this membership is for you. It's a small group. Applications are currently open as I'm recording this in May 2021. There's only six spaces and we work together over six months. As a group, we have a two-hour mastermind every month, and also you and I would have a power hour every month. See the website allthingsic.com for full information, and you don't need to be based here in the UK. The first cohort of the Inner Circle has members from the US, the UK, and Luxembourg, for example. Check out the website to find out all you need to know and how to apply. If you want to learn more about internal communication, I've got you covered. Check out my range of all things I see online masterclasses. There's a wealth of options to choose from, from how to be an internal communicator, an internal communicator's guide to hybrid working, how to be a comms consultant exploration, and an introduction to internal communication channels. And because you are a listener of the Candid Comms podcast, you can save 10% off those online masterclasses. Simply use the code CANDIDCOMS at the checkout. And I hope to see you inside one of those online courses very soon. Welcome back. So you mentioned measurement, and I'm going to ask you about measurement because 
I mean, it's a constant search term on my blog. People mm-hmm. are constantly <laughs> curious about measurement. And in episode six, I did a whole episode on how to measure internal communication. So do listen back if you're stuck on measurement. So Frank, I'm curious, how do you approach measurement or what insights can you share about measuring the outcome? And you know I'm a fan of outcome, not output. <laughs> uh, the outcome of your comms. Um, I don't do any measurement. No, kid in, kid in. <laughs> it, it's a fad. It's a fad. <laughs> um, um, for me, this topic is the uh, everlasting challenge of comms, and mm. it's been going on since dawn, I think. Uh, I, I think it comes down uh, from the place of businesses reporting about their financials. So how can we report on our comms with a link back into performance, productivity, and success? Uh, my, my point of around data with insight is probably the the critical piece here because you can collect loads and loads and tons of data that you want but without actually really understanding what that data is trying to tell you it, it can almost be a bit too overwhelming and then you just focus on really trivial elements of of what you think uh, good looks like and so for me it's really linked to the maturity of how you deal with your internal comms whether it's from your channels to your content to the calls of action uh, and in particular the behavior shifts that you want think uh, around think feel do uh, as one quick example um, which also links back then to the culture of the business so it's got many layers i think and it all depends on your maturity um, so the first thing I, I, I would do in terms of measuring or have done uh, in terms of measuring comms is to try and understand the business first. Mm-hmm. And in particular, it's priorities and goals. That's your foundation piece, because everything that you then do after that needs to talk to that uh, as your foundation. And so the next thing uh, I then did was really get a, a fantastic understanding around our employees, culture around voice, in particular around leaders, uh, leadership and comms, uh, and then also around the channels and the platforms at your disposal. Um, and then for me, it's then diving into the world of content. What's been the history of what's been said? How's it been said around tone, delivery? And what actions have been asked of employees because of that content? Um, So really sort of gathering as much relevant data as possible. Um, So if many businesses run surveys or or focus groups, if you can, ask to see that data because all that plays a part in you understanding the business. Um, And then it's all about also organizing your own conversation starters with key influencers um, so that you can gather their views. And so all of that, you lay it all out and then you try and make sense of it all. And uh, that's the key a, bit, right? <laughs> that, oh, 100%. It, it's it's a lot to look at. You're gathering it all in. <laughs> You've got it all. But then to your point, what do you do with it? How do you yeah. make sense of it? That's exactly it. How do you make sense of it? And so you really need to look at and focus on then the insight that will help you drive uh, the engagement that you want to try and make improvements on. Where are those gaps? Hopefully that's what what is running through your head when you're looking at all these data. What Where are the gaps? Um, so just 
talking this out loud sounds daunting and it is for sure but if you want to do do it well and do yourself justice and it needs to be done and it will make you a better communication professional as well but most recently for me comms measuring uh, wasn't carried out until I arrived it's taken me about a year to fully appreciate the business where I'm at Um, but during that year some of the quick wins I did was move all of our global internal comms into Populo which is an email platform that we use and it gives us some good metrics um, to just develop the basics such as open rates click-through rates with a bit more depth into the audience as well that was my starting point Uh, and then together with intranet views video streaming views as well as town hall attendance number of questions asked etc all of that helped to build up that picture for my internal comms collecting Uh, A year's worth of that data allowed me to average them and then create my annual KPIs, which I now measure against um, for all of our comms work this year. So that then tells me the story uh, around whether our comms that we're doing now is improving. Mm -hmm. But also it allowed me to coach my team uh, because they didn't have much experience of measurement in comms. Let's explain KPIs. So KPIs being key performance indicators. Why are those important, do you think, for the way that you measure and, and for your team as well in, in sharing that? If you, if you don't put any of any key performance indicators in place, you then can't immediately see whether you're doing a good job or not. So the way I looked at it was to at least create an average based on everything that we'd collected for the whole year to at least give me a baseline number. Mm -hmm. And then once I have my baseline number, then that's my measuring stick against it. So every time that we do well, then I'm interested in how well have we done? What have we done to make that comms do well in the first place. And so I challenged my team to then look at insights to try and understand what does well look like. Um, And then from there, we've been able to just develop better understanding of our comms. We're starting to do more A-B testing, for example, of our subject titles and in particular around keywords so that we can also keep ourselves quite fresh in terms of our internal comms, looking at what works, what doesn't work. Um, It's also given us insight into when is the best day and time to deliver our global comms. Can you share that? I'm curious to know what what did those tests reveal? So we, (laughs) (laughs) I promise you it'll be candy. That's what we want to know, Frank. What what was working and and what wasn't? Is is there a a key day or a key time that works for everyone? What what did you find? Uh, Everyone's slightly different, but there's some no-brainers here because it sort of marries up with what what happens externally as well in marketing KPIs. Best days really are your Wednesday, Thursday. And, And for us, it was the sort of Thursday morning was our most engaged period when we did do global comms. It's that 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. slot. And that was universally around global. So what we now do is we try and target our comms to hit our colleagues in Asia first, and then it follows the sun in terms of when they wake up, then that comms is in their inbox. So again, these these data points helped us to really change some of our comms doing incremental changes which could then drive engagement i love that that's real measurement in action isn't it that's using information turn the data turning it into insight and turning it which is always the key bit for me into action it's the the outcome you know so what are we going to do as a result of knowing when the open rates are or the a b testing so just to explain what a b testing is if people perhaps haven't heard that before it's when you 
it's when we experiment, isn't it, Frank, really, where you change the, the um, email title and you want to know whether if one particular title would get more of an open rate yeah. than, than another one. That's right. I guess that goes back to, to curiosity, doesn't it? What makes our people curious? What makes them interact and engage with content particularly? What causes them to open emails? And if they're not opening it and we're changing the wording, does that have an effect? So that's real measurement and insight turned into action for me can I ask what your team's response was where and I hear you it takes a long time to really get to know an organization (laughs) what did they think about the fact that you had all of these Hmm. you said that the measurement wasn't done in this way before I think they all had that need to be curious which was good Mm. and I think that they'd heard it talked about so much but then never really had the tools at the time to make it real Mm. A lot of it was very superficial reporting without actually wanting to understand what it was trying to tell you. Um, so I think the things I've sort of introduced is helping them to look beyond just numbers, but actually try and do something with those numbers. And for me, what I've pushed for all of them is drive engagement on what matters most is my current sort of strategy tagline for this year. Uh, So everything we do based on those annual KPIs, we're looking to drive engagement on all of our global communications. So it allows my team to be empowered to challenge incremental changes in in the comms that they're doing to see whether those things could actually um, improve engagement. So I think they found it empowering I think has been for them and and it's added another string to their bow in terms of being able to talk with confidence about data and numbers uh, and also back it up with evidence because we've made small changes to the way we do our comms and it's made a difference Mm. Um, and one of the recent data points we had we we increased our readership of our global um, newsletter by about 900 extra readers Uh, And then what I've said to them is what you do, you try and make that number a bit more real. So the way I translated that was that's everyone in our French office reading that comms. So if you can imagine that whole country where we've got people in in that country reading that comms, that has been the increase that you've had uh, in terms of the small changes you've done to the comms. So that's that's driving engagement for me. That's really nice. It's bringing it to life, isn't it? And and giving context. And there's a lot to be proud of there, I imagine. And I think you're right. It does give you an additional string to your bow if you're able to really understand measurement, know why it's important and know what to do. And I think your point about having popular is really important. It's understanding what tools are out there and what can they give you. And therefore, again, it's having that data and insight, but then taking action based on whatever those numbers come back. So I want to ask you, obviously, this is the Candid Comms podcast. <laughs> so what does Candid Comms mean to you? Candid Comms for me, I think it's about being honest, being authentic. It's about being trustworthy. And I, I think we saw with the Edelman Trust Report that employees are trusting their business leaders more so than politicians. So there's an important responsibility there then as, uh, as communicators that we have. So how can we help our leaders be more open 
uh, within reason with its people is really important. So that's where our sort of value comes in. It's also about having a voice and being the voice of underrepresented groups. And I, I've definitely felt that more so over the last year and a half working within this industry because comms people as comms people we're actually in very privileged roles where we have an opportunity to influence we're given access to a lot more information than um, hopefully uh, uh, than other employees would ever have and so we've got a an opportunity there to influence and be heard. Uh, one example for me is actually where we can be a better ally uh, as well because of that. And so I actively look for where I see things not quite being right. And I, I call that out candidly as much as I can. Um, and so that I can try and help influence the comms to be better uh, and, and hit the mark as well around morals, ethics, and, and values there. I think there's a, a piece mm-hmm. there. Uh, but finally, for me, it's really about looking inward as well. So looking into yourself to try and see things from others, other people's perspectives as well. So it's also a nod back to me to be candid mm-hmm. about myself. I saw a really lovely post that you did on LinkedIn recently. So as I see you doing that externally for International Women's Day at the start of March in 2021. And I saw a really lovely post that you put on LinkedIn about being an ally and using your voice to champion change and challenging others, which I thought was really nice, particularly as a, as a woman looking at LinkedIn. And I just, it really stood out for me. And I was so pleased to see that, actually. I think you're right. It's about being honest and being truthful, and being authentic and showing up as you are and I love the fact that you're doing that internally but I've certainly seen you do that externally too so I just want to encourage you to continue doing what you're doing I think it's, it's really important thank you for for sharing that can I ask you about a time when you've had to be candid so sometimes particularly in the super visible role of being a comms <laughs> director in particular or maybe before before being a director can you share a time where you've had to be candid and what was the outcome I think in in a past role, I was managing change communications and both myself and the HR advisor at the time didn't quite agree on the best approach um, to deal with the change communications in hand. Um, I felt that the HR person didn't appreciate my internal comms perspective enough and and I'm sure the HR person uh, didn't feel that I appreciated their uh, HR expertise enough as well. So we were in a bit of an awkward stalemate in terms of what's the best approach um, and are we listening to one another. And so I I decided to take a, a different tact in this because it wasn't getting either of us nowhere and also it was all done sometimes through email which is the um, ultimate comms channel for these sorts of things so (laughs) I I decided to um, take a different approach and have a courageous conversation between myself and and that individual because after all actually it's really about dealing with conflict and, and those tough conversations that we probably learn more about ourselves rather than all the easy stuff that we have to deal with mm-hmm. it's sometimes not pretty and it, and it can be messy but it's all about how you handle the situation and for me that's where we actually all have control of is ourselves in, in those uh, conversations and um, so I, I called a meeting to really sort of apologize initially because I was probably being a bit more stronger um, uh, with my view and I I just really wanted to start a clean slate Uh, and in particular I candidly said to the individual that uh, I I need to see 
uh, more from your point of view, as well as sharing with them about where I was coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, so opening myself up to make myself a bit more vulnerable really allowed that person to reflect. And in the end, they agreed to listen more to me uh, and hear my suggestions um, around the best approaches around comms. And the outcome, uh, we were able to work better together and a bit more trusted uh, because of that um, tough conversation. And we were able to successfully and respectfully deliver on the change project. Um, So for me, this example highlights actually the important need to be vulnerable in communications allows people to connect with you. Something you said there that really jumped out at me was you saying, I need to see this from your point of view. Uh, You said that in a conversation. I think that's a really important thing to do. And maybe that's something that listeners could take away from this episode in terms of thinking about how can you do that and how can you make yourself vulnerable and and what would the consequence be? I think the outcome from you've shared from that conversation is it moved you forward and it moved your relationship forward so you could work together better which is which is fantastic so we are coming to the end of our time together and I would love you please I mean you've shared so much value and so many amazing tips so thank you I'm going to ask you what one piece of advice can you pass on to others who are considering stepping up into a comms director role or a senior role? I would definitely say do it. (laughs) Um, And then coming back to my lovely conductor image of an orchestra, not on the bus, but understanding (laughs) the song and feel the music that the business is trying to achieve. So that's its strategy, goals, priorities and purpose. And that you must connect with business leaders by talking their language, using their tone, understanding what they're trying to achieve and us as communicators, our job is really to sort of translate effective communications and engagement in, in a way that will get you recognized as someone who sees communications as more than just sending out an email or posting a story on the internet or, or making things pretty. It's really about feeling an empathy in terms of if we want to win hearts and minds to influence uh, positive behavior through real actions is really how we're going to successfully move forward in terms of performance and productivity and that the outcome of effective communications is is really about generating greater meaning understanding and connection to help people feel proud of where they work and also belonging in what they do so for me it's all about really understanding uh, the business and talking their language so that you make that connection fantastic frank thank you so much for having a candid conversation with me today if people want to connect with you online where's the best place to find you it's definitely twitter or linkedin my my twitter is uh, let me be frank without the a in frank um, otherwise you can find me on linkedin and, and i'm always posting comments on your posts on other people's posts uh, within our little industry so um yeah that's where you can find me fabulous frank thank you so much I'd love to know what you think of this episode. Do feel free to get in touch with Frank or me. You can find me at All Things I See on Twitter and the show notes will be at allthingsic.com forward slash podcast. And remember, what happens inside is reflected outside. See you again soon.